and welcome back to the Common Man podcast, episode number two. We are here. Isn't that incredible? It seems only a few days ago that we were fumbling our way through episode one, but the feedback that you gave us was incredible. The support, the positive messages, everything that you have sent through since that first episode dropped has been really encouraging. It's made us feel loved. So thank you for that. We don't want our egos to inflate at all, though. That's not the Aussie way. We need to just push it all down. We want to be the battlers. And speaking of battlers, it's time to introduce the first player into the arena. So let's do that. Tell us, Matt, who's taking off their dressing gown and hopping off that pine? Our first player into the arena for today, episode two, has caused a stir on social media this last fortnight when his apt nickname came to life in episode one. Mr. Echo is back. But the question is, have we moved out of the toilet to record this week's episode? Forty, are you there? I am here. Mr. Echo is here. Um, wow. I'm Look, hoping... I was going to say, I can already tell there's a bit of an improvement here with the audio. It's not perfect, but what are you doing? No. Well, look, I'm currently sitting in our walk-in robe and hopefully that helps. Uh, I did contemplate the toilet, uh, but that's probably more for uh, recording a song, I would suggest, Horse. Yes. Yes. Getting that nice echo effect, those, uh, those vocals. Now, yep. I also do, do have to say you are wearing your own clothes in that uh, walk-in robe. You're not just helping yourself to one of Jen's <laughs> outfits. No, generally that's uh, something I leave to Saturday night's horse. <laughs> Excellent. So it's uh, currently a Wednesday night as we uh, speak, but uh, no, uh, Mr. Echo is still here in spirit. So oh, I hope there's he a will bit never of leave us. Echoing. Yes, Thank that you. is that is going to stay with us for the whole run of this podcast. Now, should I introduce number two? Yes. Oh let's no, do we're it. not talking about the toilet again. Sorry, the second player. Enough with the dad jokes and toilet humor, Matt. You're better than that. Just tell us who's player number two. Okay, our second player is now entering the arena. At the start of our first episode, I thought this player had just finished drinking a hot chocolate and forgot to wipe his upper lip. But only a few small weeks later, I can declare to all that the caterpillar resting below his nostrils has cocooned and now presents as a beautiful butterfly etched onto his face. Let's welcome back Brendy. Geez, lads, it is good to be here. I am so pumped from the first episode. I, I can't wait to see what's in store for, for this episode, but it's good to be back. Now, Forty, you had something you wanted to bring up at the top of the episode as well. Yes, well, I thought, you know, we've had such a great response from our first episode and we really appreciate it. But we've had a few questions from some of our avid female listeners, Horse and Friendy. Little did we know at the time, but we would find out later that 40 is part robot. And I just thought I'd clarify, mm -hmm. yeah, clarify that one of the questions was, why is it common man? Uh, is it just for men? I'm like, no, it's, it's for men, women. And even if you don't identify as a man or woman, this podcast is Look, this podcast is for everyone. But I, I think the three of us would all say that we identify as men. So it is the common man that's presenting this. So um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you think, horse. Look, I also but, have to say that it, there is a throwback and someone worked this out pretty quickly and posted up on my Facebook about it. So a shout out to Ed. This is the common man because it is also just a little throwback and a shout out to the channel seven intro theme song from the 1980s and nineties, which was called fanfare for the common man. And that's what you hear at the start of every episode. My poor attempt back, back in your era boys. Yes, yes, exactly. Which is, it's funny cause you'll say it's our era now, but 
I know when we start talking about basketball in the nineties, in a few minutes' time, you're going to claim that you were around <laughs> for that. So, <laughs> I know. You can Spring choose, chicken. don't you, Nath? Uh, we'll see yeah. how we go, mate. Uh, you know, don't. Yeah, let's but keep I going. Think, <laughs> I think this is just, just this is this is for all people, all listeners. It is, it is. Absolutely. We are not, we are not gender specific. No, no, we are very much gender neutral. Looking down at myself now, I see a Ken doll. So, uh, <laughs> I think we need to continue before I say something that I'll really regret. How about we start oh, our no. first segment? Yeah, it sounds Come good. On. We now interrupt this broadcast to take you to a live press conference from Matt Horstead of the Common Man podcast. Yes, thank you, thank you. Matt's got a prepared statement that he would like to read to you all this morning. In the first segment of the Common Man podcast, episode two, I referred to myself as a Kendall, and it was quite apparent we were all deeply unwoke in a simple message we were trying to get across. I unashamedly regret my actions and would like to apologise to my family, friends and the public in general. The Common Man is an inclusive podcast despite the gendered title and this is something we will look to amend in the future. I'd ask that you please respect my family's privacy at this time. Thank you. What a question. Who who are you? (laughs) This month in sport... Right off the get-go, last episode, we had a very, you know, serious chat about Ben Cousins. A few people commented, guys, you started really lighthearted and then it turned really serious. And that's okay. (laughs) That's who we are. We're emotional people. We're quite happy to put our feelings out in the public eye. But there has been some things that have happened with Ben Cousins since our first podcast went to air. Friendy, maybe you could just give us a, a short update as to what is going on. Yeah, look, it's very disappointing. He's um, recently just been caught again doing the wrong thing. Um, some reports are saying it's to do with um, a bit of family violence and caught with drugs again. So he is back in jail, um, which is unfortunate. But I guess, I mean, we, we chatted about this in the first episode. It, it's probably not unexpected. From watching the interview, um, it looked like he was you know, still struggling with those demons. Um, the good thing mm-hmm. is... He still has his mentor and, and some good support around him who, who are doing their best to stick by him. But, um, you know, all we can do is wish him all the best and hopefully it doesn't, doesn't end in the worst possible scenario. Indeed. Thank you to Irene as well. She's, uh, she's been a great support. Yeah. She, she's a Thanks, great, Irene. Great Irene. <laughs> okay, let's get into uh, a new topic. And this is something that we were going to touch on in episode one, but we decided to hold over to episode two because we thought there might be a little more clarity as to what's going on. As we stand here, sit here on uh, Wednesday, the 29th of April, as we're recording, we still don't know exactly what will be happening with the AFL return. We've had a couple of proposals in the last 24 hours put to the players. I'm going to talk you guys through one of them and then ask a few questions. So the last proposal I heard looked at uh, the quarantine hubs being used in two stages. So stage one was going to be a block of a three-week pre-season, followed by five weeks in which the players undertake seven games. So seven games in five weeks after their three-week pre-season. That would be followed by a 10-day break where all players would be able to go visit their family and friends and then return and, of course, be tested. And they'd be tested the whole time that they were in the hub as well. Stage two would then become a mega hub. 
So instead of having two hubs in stage one, they would have one mega hub. They would play nine games in eight weeks, and then they would have four weeks of finals. Some of the issues, obviously spending that much time away from family and friends is not ideal. And in particular, those who make the grand final will have spent 20 of 21 weeks away from the family. So we can expect a little pushback from the players and understandably so. Forty, do you think that this option here that's been put forward is really a, a valid option? Is it realistic? Well, horse, you lost me after the first sentence. They talk about that many hubs and quarantine <laughs> processes and all that sort of stuff. I got no idea what's going on. I suppose for me, I'm just sick of hearing them talk about all these different scenarios. It's just getting a bit boring, to be honest. As much as we want to see AFL return, I just think it's just a logistical nightmare. So do you think it should try and return this year? I'd love to see it return. It's just probably how that happens. And for me, I'm not an expert in that. So it's hard to sort of see how that realistically could look. I think it would, I think playing AFL without a crowd, we saw it in the first round. So weird. I'm glad you brought that up actually, because Channel 7 have also said that they'll be playing artificial crowd noise. Friendy? (laughs) Does that sound true or ridiculous? and that's unbelievable. That's awesome. I love that. I think we can all agree that we, we miss footy. I really miss AFL watching um, not just the West Coast Eagles, but any game. I just, I think AFL is my favourite sport to watch and we have to try and find a way to make it continue. You know, I like the idea that I love that AFL are trying whatever they can to organise something. I think these hubs is probably the best way to go about it because, um, you know, it's probably the safest way to do it. Um, I have some bias towards, I think, a lot of it should be in, in WA because I think uh, there's a couple of nice grounds over there that would be quite quite useful, Horse. Come, come on, mate. You're a true Vic now. You are How nice a true is that Vic. Perth Stadium? How nice is that Perth Stadium, though? Uh, actually, well, you don't know what, what state you're from, really, do you? Home is where the heart is, Ford. <laughs> okay, so let's get the final word on this. Uh, I want a thumbs up or a thumbs down from both of you. Two hubs and a mega hub. Is it a thumbs up or a thumbs down from you, Forty? Thumbs down. Friendy? If it means footy's back, thumbs up. We are split down the middle. Look, I'm going to say it is a bit harsh to have 20 of 21 weeks away from your family. I think there's going to be a bit of solution down the track. Let's just, let's just keep pushing it back. I love, I love being able to read a new option every day. <laughs> not, not true. Okay, let's move on to other news. It is scheduling news again, though. The uh, International 2020 World Cup. It was supposed to be staged in Australia in only a few months' time. Is it realistic to think that something here can be organised? We've got the Cricket Council, Cricket Australia, you know, the Indian Cricket Board, England. They're all meeting at the moment trying to work out what is potentially viable. Can they get this off the ground? Or do they just postpone it to next year now and cut their losses? Friendy, what do you think? Well, I think at the moment it's it's due to start on October 18th. So I think there's still a, you know, they've got obviously got to make a decision uh, relatively quickly with what happens. But I think more more of it is how desperately do we want to see, you know, our own summer of cricket with tests and one day as in 2020, um, because you could push it back a little bit further. But it being in Australia means we do have a fair few months of good weather. But I, I think you need to have the crowds for something this big for a, for a World Cup. So as long as we can get the crowds back. I think make it happen somehow. If not, postpone it a year. I don't think that's a big issue. I think you can comfortably say there will be no crowds involved. 
Well, then we postpone it a year then, horse. <laughs> so there you go. You're postponing. Postponing. Giddy up. Audie, have you got anything different to add here? I think we should postpone it to next year. Uh, I just think, again, we talk about AFL being a logistical nightmare. Can you imagine bringing in international countries, how we're going to manage that, hotels, quarantines? It's funny. I agree, friendly. We need, you need to have a crowd, don't you? You need to have that atmosphere and all that you know, happening at a major world event. I think it is the it's the adrenaline of the um, the crowd. Like you want to win in front of a crowd. I think um, yeah. you look back at the, the the recent NBL Grand Final, the way that the Perth Wildcats won that championship. I, I don't think even they wanted to win it that way. So you want a crowd. I think you know yeah. even for the AFL Grand Final, it would be weird if there was no crowd for that. So yeah, well, yeah, agree. Well, I mean that is a reality that we're facing, because the other issue is, you know, you start making allowances for sports teams and. Lo and behold, there are actually people out there that don't follow sport and love sport as much as we do. And they're going... It can't be true. It can't be, can it? They're going, well, my family or I have people I know overseas who are not allowed to go into the country at the moment. And there's no way, there's no wiggle room with that. But we can get a team of 12 players and their staff from India are allowed into the country. Exactly. Cool. I think I'll just wrap that one up and just... Put a full stop at the end of that sentence. <laughs> Period. Next on the agenda, we've got Macker Maker to enter the NBA draft. He is the cousin of Thon. He's 211 centimetres tall. He's 19 years old. He's got range. They say that he could be anything. And I'm asking Friendy, could we be seeing a Maker dynasty in the Boomers in the near future? Yeah, I uh, no doubt. I reckon he's going to get picked up. He's he's a five star recruit. I've um, done a little bit of research in some of the mock drafts, and I've seen anywhere from top fifteen to top thirty to start of the second round. So I think he's going to get picked up. Um, I would love to know from forty if he thinks that there's a bit of fly kicking in the family as well. Well, yeah, we we all know that Thon flying flying kick maker, one you of my him. one of my boys. So uh, I think it would be good to have the younger Thon. Uh, as a part of the maybe the Boomers squad, maybe maybe you could be looking at twenty twenty four Olympics, friend. Well, uh, you know, well we're a year out from next for next year's. He could even be good enough for next. If he's six foot eleven, that means he's a little bit shorter than Thon. Who does he replace Thon? <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say also, they horses, could team up another... together for for the Taekwondo. If uh, <laughs> yes, there's exactly. not a spot in the Boomers, <laughs> the, the reach well, exactly on them would be right. unbelievable. Okay, now we're up to. What I've been really looking forward to having a brief chat about today, and that is The Last Dance. We are four episodes in so far. I don't have to give you the background. Who doesn't know what The Last Dance is? It's not Save The Last Dance, which was a rom-com in the early 2000s, I believe. No, The Last Dance, the story of the Bulls. It's not just, it's, it's pictured and it's based around their last season but we are not seeing just their last season we are seeing the rise of all these players and how the dynasty was formed and ultimately we're going to wait and see what happens at the end i've asked you guys to pick one thing each one thing each that you would like to talk about so friendy i'm going to toss it to you to start i know that you had a number of points I was saying off air that I had many good points to bring up about this because I will just say this before I say my one point. I'm loving it so far. I think it's really interesting to see a lot of the um, footage that we haven't seen before. But my because you've never seen it, Brandy. 
I've never seen my, a tall man. Uh, well, no, but I've seen, I've seen a lot of Michael Jordan documentaries. Don't you worry. But my number one take, which I, I love this part of it, was when Phil Jackson, back in his heyday, thought that he was a lion. <laughs> the the paddle pop lion? The paddle pop lion. He was a little wild boy back in his day, eh? He was, he was. very much a wild, wild boy. We saw that. Forty, what was your takeaway? Well, I think for me um, was, uh, again, I'm loving it. Michael Jordan, best basketball player ever to play the game. And watching it through the 90s was uh, amazing. And then looking back and reminiscing has been, again, just amazing. But my one big takeaway particularly was how on earth does the greatest player, not just in the NBA, in the world ever, say, I am not going to play under any other coach other than Phil Jackson. And as an organisation, they go, this is his last year. Phil Jackson is not coaching any more than this year. Michael Jordan says, well, I'm not playing under any other coach. So why on earth in any other era, today's times, that would not happen. Superstars have so much more power and say, I'm only playing for this guy. You look at uh, Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving and KD have driven out uh, the coach there who was an awesome coach, Kenny. And uh, now they're getting his old mate, Tyron Lou. Who knows if that's going to come to pass. But how on earth does this happen? And they could have gone on and won another one or two championships. Even 99 with the shortened season, that's a perfect uh, load management for Michael Jordan. They would have easily won another one. It is a good point you bring up, Ford, and, and you probably could have got to that point a little bit quicker. But what I will say, oh, thanks, about friend. <laughs> what I will say about that is, I do agree. I think Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson should have been allowed to stay together for as long as they wanted to until it stopped working. And that would never happen today. That would never happen in today's Correct. times. Correct. 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 So indeed, even you know you you brought up Corey mm-hmm. Irving, and of course, you can't tell me that LeBron just doesn't pick the coach that he wants and the coach that is going to say, yes, sir, whatever you want, sir. We've Correct. seen that on multiple occasions already. So, Easy. I, I mean, LeBron it, wouldn't do that. LeBron, <laughs> LeBron just plays the game. Oh, oh sure, sure. Turn it up. <laughs> Turn it up. <laughs> now, it's also interesting to see this relationship that, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I was a lot younger when this was all actually happening and, so, yeah, I remember that they didn't really like Jerry Krause, but I don't remember too much as to the tension about it and seeing it all. It's just incredible. Yeah. The behind the scenes, the way that they treated mm. him and mm. the disdain and, like, you know, Michael mocking him on numerous occasions. Yeah. And, yeah, no one's saying anything because why would they say it's MJ? You're like, <laughs> whatever, sir. Yes, sir. It, it was that was intriguing, seeing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was pretty funny seeing um, the, the meme of, Kraus and the, uh, the, the, the guy from Space Jam and the comparisons between the two of them, the owner oh, of the... Newman. Uh, yeah. Newman, Newman from so. Seinfeld. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yes. 100% I was like, as soon Crazy. as they started showing him and he was, I was like, oh, mate, if they ever do an actual is... dramatic feature of this, they need to get Newman involved. Yeah. Kraus put a fantastic team together. He just, it really, Kraus just... Got a little bit too power hunger, I thought, at the end and, and just took yeah. too much control. He should have let it play itself out. But then you also Correct. see what he did afterwards and he was nowhere for so long. I mean, a lot of injuries happened to the Bulls post-Jordan era. They were unlucky with some draft picks due to injury. 
but still yeah. they were never going to be able to replicate or get anywhere near to that team that they had, you know, if they just tried to keep that core for one or two more seasons, as you said, 40. One other takeaway. Mm. Sorry, I'm hijacking it a little bit. <laughs> but this, um, I had four points that I wanted to say, and you, you, you're just going off script here. What's going on here, horse? Yeah, well, I'm the, bull, I'm the Bulls fan more. here. You've got a Celtics <laughs> and a LeBron fan. The other thing that I yeah. wanted to point out, and it's, it was great to see some of the supporting cast get their own episodes like we've seen big chunks for phil jackson we've seen a big chunk for dennis rodman and if you haven't seen the dennis rodman espn documentary you need to go see that and Mm. then also scotty pippen who was like the robin to mj's batman but that seven-year contract that seven-year contract for 18 million dollars and how much that stung and burnt him and you know we are seeing that in that last season how much that affected him there's been other big contracts in football. For example, Lance Franklin's nine years, but nothing to that extent to have someone so good be the number 122nd ranked based on pay in the league at the time that he was top five yeah. and yeah. arguably could have been, you could argue is the second best player in the league at that mm. time. Mm. Any, uh, any comments beyond just yeah. agreeance 40? I, I 100% agree. But you could look back at his the way he was brought up. He was brought up in a very poor environment and family. And yep. so I think for him, he really wanted stability and yep. jumping at that contract. $18 million is still a lot of money back then. We're talking that's still a lot of money 30 now. years ago. Yeah, exactly. 30 years ago, that's, that's still a lot of money. But, you know, relatively speaking, when he's the most, uh, was it 120 top paid and he's top five, 10 player in the league easily at that time. It's, uh, but that's what he needed to look after his family. I think he certainly, uh, he, he certainly got paid quite well towards the end of his career when he was declining. So things did turn around quite nicely for him. But I would, I would also love to throw this out, not for this podcast, but maybe for another one. I would love to discuss how the Bulls would go against the Warriors of the last couple of years or the Bulls against the Lakers of the early 2000s. I would love to discuss mm. that mm. on one of these podcasts if you guys would enjoy doing that as well. We will put that down on a running sheet for the future, for sure. (laughs) I do appreciate that. Excellent. So that actually gets us to the end of This Month in Sport. Now it's time to hear a short word from our sponsors. Isolation is taking its toll on all of us especially the lack of day-to-day connection with other beings. Is this something that resonates with you? Well, goldfishinmypocket.com might have the solution you need. For a small fee of only $24.95 a month, you can receive a fresh new goldfish sealed in a water-filled sandwich bag delivered to your door every week. Keep your fish food in one pocket and your best friend in the other. Getting bored with Dory? You can flush it to freedom, safe in the knowledge that a new Nemo will be on your front porch within days. Thank you, goldfish in my pocket. Now with my new mustache and my new best friend, I feel like I'm equipped to take on the world. Isolation is tough, but you don't have to do it alone. Sign up today to receive your new best friend
No goldfish were harmed in the making, they said. However, goldfishinmypocket.com cannot guarantee fish will still be alive at point of delivery. Chuck another shrimp on the barbie, mate. It's time for the grill. Oh, yeah. Okay, welcome back. Boys, we have our snags on sticks. We are hanging out at the grill, which sounds really sus if you don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) But... Uh, it'll start to make a bit more sense very soon. The grill, the chance to ask a question without notice while we wait for whatever meat we have on the barbecue to cook. I've got a question to start off for you guys, and it connects with The Last Dance. Listening and seeing The Last Dance, the, the first four episodes, the song that sticks out to me, you, oh, you can guess where I'm going here. It's the Alan Parsons Project, Sirius, which was the opener for the bulls the intro as they ran out to the court and got introduced every night mm. that so still good. still brings tingles puts tingles down my spine gives me shivers all of those things and it made me think guys if you had an intro song not just for sport but just for life like every time you entered a room what would be your intro song i can tell wow. you I, I had to think about this myself and if oh. it was sport I'd want to put people off. So there's two <laughs> songs that get me like fired up in a weird way. And one of those is, uh, is the Benny Hill theme song, Yakety Sax. <laughs> if that came out every time I walked into a room, I reckon that could be quite funny. And that'd be, that also, yeah. if you know, going onto the court to play a game and that was pumping out, people would be like, laughing and again i'll get them confused and the other song i don't know i don't know why it did this to me but it just got me like it always got me really weird and crazy like i don't know what this song's doing to me and uh (laughs) that was the blue healers theme song (laughs) (laughs) johnny howard 2.0 So they're my two options. They don't have to be things to pump you up. They could be things to put people off. And that's, that is the take that I've gone with. I just would like to put people off with silly music. Friendy, what about you? What would you walk into? (laughs) Well, I, I, look, I I do love your options, but um, I, I prefer to go down the line of something that gets me motivated and gets me pumped up. Um, And I do love that bulls intro. I think every time you hear it, it it does get you up and about, but uh, I would stick with, a bit of a, uh, a, a sort of Space Jam theme. Love, uh, I Believe I Can Fly, R. Kelly. <laughs> I believe I can fly. Woo. What a song that was. <laughs> you know, I think at the end, at the end of Space Jam, I think Until everyone... we found out re- everything else about well, R. Kelly. Yeah, we, that was we, a beautiful we, song. We, correct, correct. But um, I think at the end of Space Jam, when that song plays, I think everyone wants to just get out there and, and play a game of basketball. So that's probably mine. Um, good call. Good take. I I appreciate that one. What about you, Forty? Well, I just there's so many options, isn't there? I, I just I, trying to trying to think of one on the spot is very difficult. But I do love uh, a bit of Gary Glitter, rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yes, coming Ford. out. Yeah, yes. you're running out onto the onto the court and just yeah, you're up and about. I, I think that's certainly uh, a classic that would yep. get me up and about. Yep. Whether it doesn't need to be something that pumps you up trying to think of a song that would put someone off. I think I need a bit more thought, but I'm sure I could come up with a, a little perler if I had a bit more time. Forty, yeah, I look, could see you running out to I come from a land down under. 
Oh yes, I love a I love a good classic Aussie rock song. Or maybe a bit of Chumba Wumba, tub thumping. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Why not? Let's do that. Excellent. Well, now I'm going to throw to you, Forty, to ask us a question. Let's continue with this theme because we're all about Last Dance uh, at the moment, and we all love the big MJ, uh, the goat. Uh, my question for both of you, would he still be the GOAT in today's game? Obviously, today's game is very different mm. to how it was back in the 90s and 80s. It's obviously still basketball, but would Michael Jordan be the GOAT? Well, look, as, as one of the uh, biggest LeBron James fans going around, I love the way that he goes about it. And to the point where I've, I've even started to wonder, has LeBron gotten to the stage where he's seen as a better player than MJ. But then looking back at the last dance, my love for MJ has just come back and I've realised how good he was as a player. And I think offensively in today's game, he would be almost far better, I think, because it's not as physical and he would get fouled a lot more. He'd go to the line a lot more. And I, I think offensively, he would be a force to be reckoned with. I think he'd be, you know, sort of 40 points a game type thing. Um, yeah, I think he'd. I think he'd show Harden how to be a high scorer and actually have people enjoy watching you, because yes, you look at the scores that were that were coming up during the games that they were profiling in the Last Dance, and it was like in the nineties, eighty to ninety thereabouts for most of those games, and now we're averaging like one hundred and twenty, one hundred and fifty is not out of the question for a regular season game, and so as mm. you've already pointed out, Jordan would absolutely dominate from an offensive perspective, it is mouthwatering to have some mm. of those, the thought of having those guys against each other in their prime, you know, a LeBron led heat versus the bulls in their yep. prime. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, it, I, I, it, absolutely. It's mouthwatering, isn't it horse? And I, I think you look back at the Detroit Pistons, the way they just smashed MJ and then that referee would just call a common foul. Uh, <laughs> Today's time, they get thrown out for, yep. for something like that. So him having a lot more uh, freedom to be able to, you know, do his athletic, athletic tricks and all that sort of stuff. But even the three-point game, uh, Michael Jordan didn't shoot a lot of three-pointers, but I feel like the determination and his ability to adapt to any circumstance, he would have been a phenomenal three-point shooter in today's game. How beautiful is the mid-range game? It was, it was poetry in motion. Wasn't it? It yeah, was. Absolutely. His jump shots, like he put the jump in jump shot. The way Correct. he just <laughs> elevates over everyone else. Oh, yeah. That high ball release. It's just mm, poetry did, did in you motion. See that, um, was it the high school game? Or I think it was his high school game when he went up to block some guy and he hit his head on the backboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, that, that used to happen to you all the time, friendy, didn't it? Oh, <laughs> Athleticism is certainly uh, one of my number one strengths in terms of, as an athlete. So. Yeah. 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 Well, it's in the word, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, Friendy, do you have a question for us? I, I do, fellas. And I'll go off um, the basketball theme. I really appreciated your, your questions, guys. Um, but I want to go back to the AFL chat we're having a bit before. Um, Horse, you were talking about the hubs and the potential that some of these families or some of these players would be away from their families for up to 20 weeks. 
and which is crazy to think. Now, I've, I've been reading a lot over the last couple of days about how some tennis players have come out and said, you know, sort of suck it up. We do this all the time. You know, cricketers do this all the time. What I want to ask you guys is if you were in the position of these footy players, how, how would you feel in this process? Would you be inclined to go, you know what, it's just for four months, for 20 weeks, let's just, let's just get on with it? Or do you think that they should just shut it down, wait, and it's too long? It's a great question. I think that it really is an individual answer. And you couldn't just say everyone has to follow this idea or this solution. Because I know, you know, myself, we're going to go serious here for a second. I've got a young family. I've got a, you know, a one and a half year old and a four year old. And it's not the fairest to leave my family for 20 weeks, even though it is earning a living and it's, it's my job and it's what I'm getting paid to do. I feel like it's a bit unfair because tennis players would choose to have some time off from the circuit or they'd be bringing their family potentially along with them in this instance, but it's yeah, not an yeah. option for young families. So I'm going to stick up for the young families and say it, it would be really tough and I'd be really torn as to what was the best thing to do. Lots yep. of things to consider. 40? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, I suppose when you're getting paid that much though, you look at cricket, they can be away for months on end, um, but it's, the, it's up to the individual, isn't it? Whether they're willing to... To do that, choosing AFL, you don't, you're not away for long periods of time. So it's certainly something that could be not something they were expected or willing to actually do. But is that what they have to do in this season? That's the question. That is the question. I think, the, you know, you, you brought up cricket there as well. But they still have the option in cricket to fly their families over. And they often have them over at least for a catch-up yeah. for a week or something like that. And this is just, it's that not is an true. option. You know, yeah, you know, exactly. away. It's, it's easy Point. for, um, I know for me and, and maybe for 42, but because we, we don't have kids, um, it would be a little bit easier because we, you know, we're only leaving the wives behind who, who they may appreciate a bit of time away from, well, at least Jen would probably appreciate a bit of time away from me. But I, I, um, I tend to agree with you though, Horse. I think not allowing families into the hub is an issue that needs to be addressed because it is a long time. And when you're talking about young kids, I know, for example, Paddy Dangerfield's got a couple of young kids himself I think he would hate the idea of being away from them for 20 weeks because so much can happen in those early stages of, of a kid's life and you don't want to miss out on all of that. So No. On a side note, experience there. <laughs> on a side note, you brought up Paddy Dangerfield. I'm, I was really excited today. I know that he has lived around my area before. Stalker alert, stalker alert. Okay. And he has family who live very close to me. But it's always been a rumour, oh, Paddy was at the primary school kicking the footy today. And I'm like, I missed it. He was over my back fence. Uh, oh yeah, I saw him walking down the street. Well, today I finally saw Paddy Dangerfield driving down my street. And did you I, just have a fangirl moment? I didn't realize at first I looked and then left, left and right and looked back. I was pushing the double pram. So he, <laughs> I sort of got like a smile as in like, yeah, I can empathize with that. And he had a trailer and on the back of his trailer, he had a giant treadmill. So I can tell you, Paddy is getting ready to go. Oh, he's in. The Obron he High School ready. superstar. I actually thought you were about to say that he had a Common Man podcast sticker on the back of his trailer <laughs> or something like that. I was like, 100%, wow. 100%. Yep. That's amazing. They haven't even Watch, been produced yet. He went out and made one for himself after the first <laughs> week. Space. He's like, got to get on this. Got to get on this yeah, early. He got the old Epson printer out. He yep. copied and pasted our PDF onto a 
<laughs> A4 piece of paper, blew it up, and he's just stuck yeah. it with sticky tape. And Wooshka. Yeah, Wooshka, he'd be our number one uh, ambassador, I would think. Well, well after think, Matthew Dell on the Dover. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Dally, another shout-out to Dally, appearing on our Instagram Dally. this week. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, the mayor of uh, Maryborough. Indeed. <laughs> Can I say, great set of questions today, guys. We just took it to the next level. I think we're only going to get better and better with these questions. I'm only going to get better and better with my intros as well because I've really bottomed out at the start there. I don't think I can do much worse. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for combat cross-code. Cross-code combat. Yes, cross-code combat. It is the common man's favorite sport. It is our favorite challenge during our podcast. In CrossCode Combat, each speaker is given a sporting star with a challenge to argue why their athlete would be better in their opposing star sport than the opposing star would be in their given sport. It's clear as mud, really. The premise behind CrossCode Combat is simple, but it doesn't come out as simple when we try and explain it. That's the issue. We struggle a bit with this, don't we guys? So yes. we have two famous sports people from different codes. And one of us has to argue that the person they've been given would be better at the opposition players sport. So last week we had Paddy Mills and Gary Ablett and we had Friendy argue that Paddy Mills would be a better footballer than Gary Ablett would be a better basketballer. Friendy came out on top. This week, Forty is our judge. And I'm going to pass to you, Forty. You're going to tell us who have we been given as our players for this week. Yes, well, thanks, Horse. I, I as the loser, have become the judge. Very gracious. And I'm looking forward. Yes, I'm looking forward to Horse taking on the champion, the reigning champion, Friendy. Are you excited, Trent? Yeah, I'm good to go. I'm feeling a back-to-back coming on today. Well, I... <laughs> Great. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll be the, the judge of that, so to speak. Uh, my, my pick of uh, this particular episode is I looked at two sports that I thought could be quite similar and maybe cross over quite easily. And so I've chosen golf and cricket. And yep. as Horse yep. explained, uh, these different eras, but in their prime, in their prime, would they be better at the sport of the other person's choice? And so my, my challenge is Greg Norman v. Steve Smith. And, Friendy, you are going to be Steve Smith because you're the younger person. Horsted, Greg Norman, <laughs> being the older veteran. Don't hold that against you. Now, can the I shark. remind you, Friendy, last time you forgot to mention about their prime. Now, this is in their prime. Don't count Greg Norman out because he's older. So, no, I'm going to go give forward. Good. Well, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Now, Friendy, do, as you ch- won last time, would you prefer to go first or would you give that to uh, Horstead this time? Look, I, um, I came first last week uh, going first before you, Ford. So I'm mm. actually going to give the challenger the, the head start. And I'm going to let him um, claim his case first. Thank you All very right. much. Well, I'll, I'll put forward my case. That's fine. Let's go. 60 okay. seconds, Horst. Over to you. Thank you. Well... I mean, you have pointed out already that Greg Norman is pretty old. So being so old, it's actually hard for you to verify anything that I say. I could say he was the greatest junior cricketer in history and a natural at all sports. And it would be hard for you to argue he was not because there's no evidence online to disprove what I'm saying right now. 
the other thing I could do is I could really start with a cheap shot here. Actually, maybe I will, because Greg Norman grew up in a family with links to carpentry. So his grandfather was a highly skilled woodsman. He knew how to work a piece of wood. And so Norman from a young age would have been taught how to use sandpaper correctly, as opposed to other cricketers of the more modern era. Okay, back to actually how Greg Norman would be a better cricketer. He was consistent at everything he did. He was patient as all golfers must be. And this was typified by the fact he finished on top of the rankings for seven years. These are all characteristics required to be a good test cricketer, which is the ultimate for cricket. Test cricket is the ultimate. His technique was flawless. He could hit the ball a mile. And you need to remember that golf clubs and golf balls are actually quite smaller than cricket bats and balls. So they're harder to connect with and bigger bats and bigger balls would mean it was only easier for him. Sure, Steve Smith is a genius, but his batting technique is unconventional. His approach to golf could likely take on a happy Gilmore stance and his whip wrists and leg lances would not be beneficial on a golf course. That's what I'm saying. Greg Norman, he is a class act, a natural cricketer who would have been the Don Bradman of his era had he chosen cricket over golf. Wow, that's a great pitch, horse. I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing the response uh, from you, Friendy. Yes, well, thanks, Ford. I uh, do have Steve Smith, and I, I love that horse went straight for the I wouldn't know who Greg Norman is because of my age, but um, I do know that he is arguably the biggest choker of all time. Um, I don't want to go too much into the 86 and 87 Masters and PGA tournaments, but we'll leave them in the past. Uh, where, they, where they belong. But what I want to tell you about Steve Smith is he is arguably the greatest test batter right now, potentially overall batter as well, averaging 62 with the bat, which equals very good golfer. Um, I do want to also say that he has the desire to win. He wants to get better and better all the time. Now in golf, that's what you want. Someone who's determined to get better and better and better. It crosses over very well. Um, I'd, I'd say too, he has an unusual swing, but it would be very effective in golf. And I love the words of Ben Stokes. Steve Smith is strange, but he's a gene genius. I'll rest my case. <laughs> well, thanks, Friendy. Um, you both. It was intense. Great. It was intense. <laughs> uh, I was a little unsure about how unconventional uh, cricket swing would actually work in golf, where there needs to be more of an actual technique involved. I mean, sorry, that both techniques, but you know. But can we can we check the timer pitches. on horse? Did he go sixty seconds or did he go a little over? Uh, I, oh, think well, was, I think it was pretty over sixty seconds, just a little bit over, but that's fine. But I think you'll like, find when not... we get to post when I edit this, it was sixty seconds right on the nose. Because <laughs> I'll speed up my voice. <laughs> Actually, I didn't. And for the record, it was one minute forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. But uh, let's let's not do any little cheap digs. Uh, yeah, just yeah. That's let's not do any Isaiah Thomas. Let's not shake the hands on the way out. <laughs> He's but, walked uh, out. I think he's walked out. He's not even listening right now. And I think for me, the winner, clearly the shark, Greg Norman, Matty Holstead. Well done. <laughs> Greg Smith. I'm not sure why we said Greg Smith, but. For the record, we said Greg Smith because on his first attempt, Friendy got a bit muddled and called Steve Smith, Greg Smith. <laughs> well, thank you. Horse. Thank you, guys. It's, a, it's an absolute honour. Now, that does mean that I will stay in the ring for next week and I'll be taking on you, Forty and Friendy. Looking forward to it. You will get the chance to choose who is playing in the cross-code combat for another week. Now, 
Now it's hard to believe, but we are there already. We have got to that stage of the podcast where I'm wrapping up. Yep. I'm looking over the run sheet. It's a, that's a wrap. I don't know about you guys, but it's been another show full of highlights for me. I particularly did enjoy those last few minutes though when I got the chance to put my bush lawyering to the test and see how I went against Friendy. Guys, highlights for you. Friendy, what's been your highlight? Oh, look, I loved um, being able to just uh, talk about the last dance. I'm very much enjoying that series and I'm looking forward to the next two episodes next week. Cannot wait. 40. Yeah, again, how good is the last dance? So good. Loving it. And uh, particularly thought uh, it was great to see uh, you get over the reigning champion horse with uh, the shark, Greg Norman. I uh, was very impressed. Oh, thank you. I look forward to taking you on next episode. Great. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm not going to be using any cheap shots with uh, the old sandpaper theory. <laughs> I thought that was a little un-Australian, but I'll let that slide. Yeah, look, I did contemplate whether or not to put that in. And I know uh, when we chatted about it before the episode, I mentioned that I wouldn't have a dig about the sandpaper, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> you there. went straight there. Yeah, I did. I went straight there from the top. Now, I need to remind everyone and thank everyone for their support so far. But I'd also, it'd be great if you could spread the word. We have a few ways that you can contact us. Our email is podcastforthecommonman at gmail.com. Our Instagram that we love and Friendy is leading up the Instagram at the moment at thecommonman.podcast. Yes, what what dot, should we dot. forget? Don't forget the dot. Don't the forget the dot. Dotty, the old girl. Don't forget it. <laughs> you can find us on SoundCloud at the Common Man Podcast. If you are one of those people who like to use Spotify and Apple Podcasts, we are also on there. We're really excited to be on Apple Podcasts as of today in Spotify only a few days ago. And this might be the way you are listening to us right now. If you haven't subscribed, we would really appreciate it. If you haven't rated us, I feel awkward saying this. If you rate us, it would be great if you rate us high. You don't want to rate us high, please just don't rate us at all. Because we don't want to, we don't want to have low ratings. We are, we have yeah. really fragile egos here. Yeah. Is that right, guys? Rate us five. Yeah, rate yeah, us five. Like, not Come on. Yeah. So I've got one question that I'd like to pose to the listeners as well, and that is: now that you've seen our awesome TCM logo, and a shout out to our special graphic designer who went and above and beyond and helped organise this logo for us, the TCM, the Common Man. It looks so good, and I want to see it on some merch. So my question Ooh. is, what what would you like to see it on? Guys, Friendy, what would you like to see it on? Oh, I want to see a, a nice purple hoodie. I'd be, I'd be very happy to rock one of those around. I could see you with a, yeah. a hoodie, that giant moustache and your hood on. That would look awesome. 40? Yeah. Oh, I'd love a good beanie, I reckon. Purple, bit of a teal logo. But uh, maybe we should put it out to the listeners with a poll on our uh, Instagram. Boys, totally. what do you reckon? Totally. Like Let's that. put it out there. If there's anything that you would like to see that on, toilet paper. I know that it's a rare commodity at the moment. Imagine being able to wipe your butts with a TCM, the common <laughs> man, the common man three ply. That, that might be how they think of it, though. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. Uh, exactly. It all depends on the ratings. Correct. Anyway, any closing words? Anything you'd like to say before I wrap this up? Look forward to Looking forward three. to it. Absolutely. Ditto. What he said. <laughs> Excellent. We're looking forward to having a chat with you guys in the, 
uh, next few weeks or so. Thanks for joining us. We've been the Common Men on the Common Man podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Well, we've now Oops, got sorry. to one of our. <laughs> sorry, I just farted. <laughs> sorry. I didn't hear it. I did not. That just that was. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you didn't hear it. <laughs> sorry, it literally just squeezed out right as you started. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. We all good. <laughs>